0: this is Liz this is Heather
1: and we are doing our next book club episode on Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets
0: all right give us a listen How have you been? We've been doing good. I'm getting excited to talk about our reread of the Harry Potter series.
1: I know it's very exciting. Before we talk about that though, we should talk about some really exciting things coming up. Uh, one of which is going to be Comic Palooza coming up at the end of May. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, working on getting our programs together for that and hopeful that we'll be accepted again this year for the third year. But one of the other things that's coming up is we are closing in on our 100th episode.
0: Yay. Yay.
1: So totally crazy that we've been doing this for three years. We're hitting a hundred episodes. It's insane. Um, So if you are awesome listeners would like to contribute to this 100th episode, uh, we would love to hear from you. So if you want to send us an audio clip, you could just send us a quick congratulations, tell us who you are, your podcast, or if you're just a listener, whoever you are, Uh, if you want to say like your favorite moment about the show or just something really random and awesome, that's great. You can send that to us at at nerdybitches.com and we would love to include that. So whenever you send us the email, make sure you let us know who you are so that we can thank you appropriately within that episode. And just thank you in general for being awesome listeners and helping us get to 100 episodes. Pretty cool.
0: Yep. I'm really excited about the 100th episode. I know it's kind of a benchmark in uh, podcasting because a lot of podcasters don't make it to 100. And Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a big deal. It's a, it's a good sign of the longevity of the, of the program. So
1: well, I think it's pretty standard across the board, because if you think about television shows and things like that, they always make a big deal about their 100th episode. There's usually a cake involved. And we weren't sure that we were going to be able to do that since you guys had moved to California. But I think we figured out a way to do it. So fingers crossed that it'll work out that way. And uh, we want to hear, you know, we want to hear more from you. We just really enjoy interacting with our listeners. So hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook facebook i can't even talk today um and uh if you're not a member of it request to become a member of our facebook discussion group it's a closed group because we try to keep the trolls at bay Uh, but we would love to have you in there if you're awesome and you can talk with us one-on-one we're always in there and it's awesome so
0: i'm excited to hear from everybody and i know that everybody's been rereading harry potter with us and of course you have, yeah, we made it to Chamber of Secrets. So we're a whole one book in. So we're actually now we're two <laughs> books in.
1: We're on the second book. So again, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And that is what we are going to be discussing today. Woo!
0: Yay. So. All right. So do you want to dive right in? I guess we can dive right in.
1: Yeah. Let's dive right in. Uh, we're not going to do page one. Because no, I'm, book. Just <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's book club where we're just going to talk through the book. And We cannot do summaries for shit. So that's just how it's (laughs) going to go from now on. We will never summarize anything else ever because it just doesn't work. We we have
0: learned. Yes.
1: We have have learned and evolved and adapted. And now you will just hear whatever crazy bullshit comes out of our heads. And that's how it goes. So
0: I think that's what was happening before, but we were calling it a summary. (laughs)
1: Well, we had intentions, a summary, I <laughs> always have a, the best intention of a summary. But again, the way the way my brain works, and um, I'm a, really a big picture kind of person. So when I start getting into the details, and I remember this one thing, I know I'm not going to remember it in 20 minutes when it's time to talk about it again. So we just throw it in then. And if we were better editors, we could just move it around. But then it would sound really weird or robotic. And I don't think that's why you're here. So
0: yeah, this definitely kind of followed the previous one in, like, themes, right? The begin- is goes on based on the timeline of the school year, and it starts at the beginning at the Dursleys and they're assholes, right?
1: Of course. Oh, they're even worse this year.
0: I know. They're crazy.
1: Now, they have let Harry out of the closet. So that's yeah. that's one thing. He is no longer living in the cupboard under the stairs. I think this whole wizard thing kind of spooked him enough to where they they allowed him to have Dudley's second bedroom.
0: Yes, as opposed to the cupboard.
1: Because when you're fat and stupid like Dudley, you might not remember which bedroom is yours. So you have you should have more than one just in case, you know.
0: Obviously, he had to pare down his excessive belongings so that uh, Harry could squeeze in there. But nonetheless. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so so we're back at the Dursleys and uh, they've got very important clients showing up. And this is Harry's birthday, of course. This always happens on Harry's birthday.
0: Which was ignored um, again.
1: Oh, yeah. They never... They don't give a shit. You yeah, know, yeah, I love when they give them gifts. It's like, we sent you a feather. Suck it, kid. <sighs> like, they just don't... They don't yeah. care. I'm like, why, why pay the postage for a feather? Like, it's just dumb. But anyway, so the Dursleys have a very important drill guy coming and his wife. And so, of course, they're going through the motions of... Petunia will be greeting them in the parlor and Dudley will be answering the door being incredibly fat and charming. And Harry will be upstairs pretending that he does not
0: exist. Yep. Things start out working out that way, right? They start out that way.
1: Harry is a good kid. He's going to do whatever these assholes tell him to do anyway. Uh, But the problem is when he makes it up to his room, he finds he has a visitor, a very loud visitor, one who is uh, beating himself about the head with things, lamps, shoes, whatever whatever he can find. What he stumbles in on is a creature uh, dressed in a dirty old pillowcase beating himself or looking around or doing whatever. So he's trying to figure out who this is. Turns out this is Dobby, the house elf. And now let me throw this in because it is the beginning. Again, spoilers for this book we will not be talking about the books that come after to the best of our ability. So we won't be skipping ahead to talk about anything that happens in future books. So if you have only read this book or you are about to just read this book, never fear. We will not ruin the whole series for you as much as we would like to.
0: Yeah. Society probably already has spoiled it, but we will try not to.
1: They probably have, but if you're brand new to the series, which You would think not a lot of people are, but there are still people. I finally, and I will tell you, us doing this through a book club again has actually gotten my sister, who has been resistant from Harry Potter from the beginning, I don't know why. She had no interest, not going to do it, not going to read it, not going to watch the movies, no interest at all. But it has sparked her to do so because my 10-year-old niece decided she wanted to read it. She and I started reading the first book together together and it caught a little bit of her interest. So she checked it out from the school library and my sister, you know, because my niece is 10 and she's becoming an asshole as you know, 10 year olds are want to do. Uh, she wanted to have something in common. So they, you know, what could you do? She picked up the book and started reading it with her. And that was right after we did our book club on the first book. So she's just finished the next book. So I'm excited that they are kind of rolling in on this train
0: Yeah, it's a a year early, isn't it? uh, Mm -hmm. Because Harry became a wizard at 11 and she's 10. She'll be 11 in
1: June, it's close enough.
0: Yeah, well no, but he's 12 now in chamber.
1: Anyway, well well,
0: at the beginning, right now, so anyway this little, uh, we've determined that he's a house elf and he keeps beating himself up and screaming that, you know, he can't defy his masters, but he must warn Harry Potter and he starts like cracking uh, things over his head and making all kinds of noises and it's The Dursleys can hear it.
1: Yes, they they are hearing it. Uncle Vernon comes storming up the stairs. He's stuffed Dobby into the closet or into a little cupboard or whatever. And he's, you know, what are you doing? He's like, "Uh, I tripped and fell and made 10 million sounds of noise. And uh, he's like, well, stop it. He's like, okay. And so uh, he goes away and he keeps trying to tell Dobby. He's like, you know, because Dobby's telling Harry Potter, you cannot go back to Hogwarts. There's a plot against you. you. You know, you mean way too much to us magical creatures who are not wizards because we were treated like vermin before, even though we're still treated somewhat like vermin. But life got better when he who must not be named went away. And so he's like, you can't go back to Hogwarts. He's like, I can't stay here. These people are assholes. I can't can't do it. And so. Dobby in an attempt to keep Harry from going back to Hogwarts decides that he's going to go downstairs and be a little mischievous and basically performs a hover charm on a big cake or something, hovers it across the room and drops it on the drill guy's wife's head. And because magic was performed in, you know, outside of school and in the mis- you know, in the presence of muggles the basically, he gets a letter that says that he's in trouble,
0: yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's uh, that they, I think
1: this is the first, yeah, this is kind of the first inkling that they get that he's not allowed to do magic outside of school, which is probably the only thing that's kept him, you yeah, know, as much trouble is you know, the fear that he might give Dudley another pigtail or something,
0: yeah that point the, dropping the cake or the pudding or whatever it is the british dessert almost was saved except for the owl came in with the note about the magic thing so not only did harry get in trouble from his school but also the dursleys found out he can't use magic and you know this little uh, house elf kind of just destroyed his life trying to prevent him from going to hogwarts that really sucks
1: yeah and this is when the Dursleys decide, ha, 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 you're never going back to Hogwarts. Now, first of all, you think that him being gone for the whole year would just be gleeful yeah. for the Dursleys. But they would rather ruin his life. Like, that's, that's more important to them than being free of him for nine months out of the year. So they decide to put bars on his window and have locked him in his bedroom. You're never going back to school. Ha, 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 ha. Yes. So...
0: And, and this apparently is not child abuse in Britain. I don't know.
1: No, no. It's totally acceptable to lock a minor in, feed them once a day. It's fine. Fine.
0: Yep. So... I don't know. Do they have CPS in Britain? I don't know how it works. I'm sure they so. do. Anyway, after about three days of being starved, basically, and poor Hedwig is freaking out in his cage, Harry hears something outside the bars and windows on his door, and and he looks out the window and he sees Ron floating there. And he, since he's on the second story, it's kind of surprising to see somebody it's right a there, little right?
1: Disturbing, right? I mean, he's a wizard, so he shouldn't be terribly surprised. But the fact that he's floating in a car, yep, uh, is a little bit more unusual to see and a little whinging. Yeah.
0: You know, so it was very, uh, it was very exciting because it's actually you know a Muggle car, but somehow is floating, and he realizes that Ron's there. The twins were there, uh, I'm sorry. The twins are there and they were come, they were worried about him because they hadn't heard back from him. So they, oh, that was the thing.
1: Uh, Harry had been upset because none of his friends had written him all summer. And, uh, but it turned out that Dobby had been intercepting all of their correspondence to make Harry think that his friends had forgotten about him so that they, that he wouldn't go- want to go back to Hogwarts. So, When he didn't respond, the Weasleys got concerned. Ron and Fred and George took a car that, uh, and and I don't know if it was previously enchanted or if Mr. Weasley actually did the enchanting. They're a little muddy on that point. But basically he works in the office for the misuse of muggle artifacts. So it very easily could have already been pre-enchanted. But he's taken this car home because he's obsessed with all things muggle and trying to figure out what they do and how they work. So they have flown this enchanted car over to get Harry and they decide, well, we're we're busting you out. So they they rip the bars off the window and Harry jumps in right as Uncle Vernon comes busting in the door, trying to grab his leg and hold him back and yep. falls out a window. I don't
0: know. Yeah. So. That's, you know, kind of the comic relief part of it. But the fact is he did escape and he got into the flying car and George and Ron and Fred flew Harry back to his family.
1: Now, now let's mention here, all of these wizards in this car are 14 years old or under. Yep. That's a little disturbing if you're thinking about four children fly, <laughs> flying a car across the countryside.
0: That is yeah. in mo- is basically illegal. We find out about the yeah. illegality of it later and that's the reason why they have the misuse of muggle artifacts division is because it was it causes problems when muggles get a hold of enchanted things or when enchanted things or when things that are normal get enchanted for magic, which makes a lot mm-hmm. of, is, makes a lot of sense. So they fly back to the borough thinking that they would this be is the first
1: time we see the burrow too.
0: Oh yes. Is, I yeah, forgot we, because it. We
1: didn't, we didn't see it in the first book because he didn't meet them until the train station. So they show up at the
0: burrow. And of course, which Harry is the has Weasley's never been house, into- right? The burrow is yes. the Weasley's house.
1: And Harry has never been to a wizard's house before. He's never been to an enchanted place of any kind, anything but a muggle house. Um, So he gets there and he is immediately in awe of everything that he sees. You know, there's dishes washing themselves and gnomes in the garden. And, you know, this place is 12 stories tall, but kind of looks like it could fall over at any any point. You know, that's the one thing I don't understand about the Weasleys. I mean, I get that they they have a lot of children, so they don't have a lot of money and they've got this big ass house, but they've got magic. So you think they could at least fix the big ass house? Now, they don't have to create more of it. They could at least patch it up a little bit better.
0: You know, something tells me that Mr. Weasley kind of likes the quirks that come from... And I do, too, to be honest.
1: I do like the... I like the quirkiness of the burrow. I like the quirkiness of their whole family and how they interact and and the fact that they're not ever putting on airs and they're not trying to be more than they are or better than anyone around them like a lot of the other pureblood wizarding families but again, from a logistical standpoint, it probably would make sense for if your house was at least a little bit more structurally sound. So.
0: Yeah. And I'll bring up that in a few more books down the road. Yes. <laughs> Not in this book. I think it's a, a cute, a cute description of this house and how kind of everything was stacked upon each other because they kept just adding rooms as they kept having children. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, I think about it. I can picture it. Like you've pictured people, you know, you've seen people whose houses, it's like, okay, now their garage becomes another room. And then there's an add on to the back porch. The back porch gets pulled in and things because you've seen it happen in regular okay. houses. But in the borough, they built up and they kept building more and more misshapes. Which on is top funny of it.
1: because they have a very large plot of land. I know.
0: I've always it's wondered hard. that. So why up and not out? You know? I don't know.
1: Who knows? Again, I don't think they put a lot of thought into those kind of things because they are actually busy loving their children and doing yep. the things that they should be doing rather than focusing on that. So when they show up at the borough, now it's you know they've done all of this kind of in the middle of the night, and they show up and you know, of course, the first thing they come across is a very, very angry Mrs. Weed. And so she starts, you know, screaming and hollering at Fred and George and Ron. And then, of course, says, Hello, Harry. You know, <laughs> yeah.
0: we're so, I'm not upset with you, dear. They're like, But they were starving him. It, <laughs> Yeah, Uh, that's what I did like that about that. It was that she was just yelling at him, yelling at him, and then pausing. And it's like, nice to see you, Harry. I understand this is not your fault. And then she starts yelling. Have you any idea what you've done? (laughs) Right now, let's sit down and have some breakfast. Like she's she goes
1: back and forth between angry mama bear and protective. Let's, you know, let's take care of this poor waif of a child who has been mistreated and whatever. Uh, So then then we we finally meet Mr. Weasley for the first time because he was not in the first book. Yeah. So he shows up and they've been all night raiding um, wizard things for misused articles of, you know, enchanted things, because it sounds like a lot of the wizards just think it's great fun to enchant things and make muggles find them and then all sorts of bad things happen. And so, obviously, some of the darker families think that this is big fun because they don't think muggles are...
0: Yeah, we'll learn more about that when we get to school this year, which I thought Mm -hmm. was really interesting. Um, You know what? In fact, we can kind of skip towards till they get to school, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, they go to Diagon Alley. They get books. They meet uh, Gilderoy Lockhart. Yep. Bad shit happens.
0: Yeah, they meet Gilderoy Gilderoy Lockhart, and he's swooning all... And he is just this... I, a motivational speaker of the wizards or something because like everybody loves him did he not totally remind you of someone yeah we know? somebody we know yeah, anywho we know. <laughs> um, <laughs> just smarmy and just very but self-important all the, like all the women swoon and mm-hmm. ah, and the girls
1: all love him and all the guys think he's crap but he's, he's you know the one who's written 40 books about all of his exploits and yeah. how he's the hero of the day and this great wizard and yeah so of course he being an attention whore sees harry immediately latches onto him like i've given you a whole stack of books and we'll have our picture in the paper together blah 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 harry's like fuck you i don't want to be famous
0: yeah, that's. I mean, that you get that impression that Harry is really uncomfortable with all of this attention, and then it turns out that, of course, everybody at Hogwarts is there that day. Practically, uh, of the, course. Yeah, the Malfoys are there, and um, Draco's, you know, being all snooty and Draco-y, And then we find we see his dad, who's a dad in the movies, is just a blonde um, ice cream scoop of a man, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't think he was that in the book. He was a little yeah. Yeah, I don't Grishner. think I don't
0: think so. But like you know, so Jason Isaacs played it, it played him in um, in the movies, and mm-hmm. he did a fabulous job. he's all. But I'm if saying. you ever
1: wonder why Draco is a piece of shit,
0: yeah, just look to his father,
1: introduction to Lucius Malfoy. Will tell you that the rotten apple does not fall far from the poison tree at yeah,
0: all. Exactly. Um, he's
1: very nasty but almost in like a really civilized way. Like he's above everything. Um, He's, you know, ragging all over all the Weasleys because they're secondhand books, secondhand clothes. You know, they just traveled by flu powder. So they've, you know, they get a little dusty. Yeah. And uh, so he grabs Jenny's cauldron and starts messing with it. And they finally get away from him and they go back to school. Yeah. Or they attempt to go to school. Oh, yes. Because we're running late to get on the platform nine and three quarters. And so they they all take a run. And the last people to go through the barrier are Ron and Harry. And as they go to run through the barrier, they can't get through.
0: Yeah. So it, platform nine and three quarters is closed to them. They just hit it a brick wall, hit it, and they had no place to go. And no place to go, and now
1: they're standing there. The clock has struck eleven, and the train is gone because apparently that is one expeditious fucking train.
0: Even if your parents are on the other side saying no, they're coming through. So you're
1: you're you're not concerned about mom and dad being able to get back through. So you go steal their car. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, well, he knows that they can apparate, and that's the first time we hear about it that you can just apparate. Um mm-hmm. and but you have to be 16 or however age or yeah 18. just like you know you have to be that old to drive a car so he's like right. but we have a way to get out because it's completely legal for an underage wizard to drive a flying car but we can't operate. Mm-hmm. they also didn't know how that was another thing but right um so we're just going to drive this flying car and this goes to show that both ron and harry are dipshits.
1: Yeah, they have terrible, terrible decision-making skills. And I'm telling you, had Hermione been with them, that that would not have happened. She'd probably say something
0: like, let's send an owl. Let's ride a broom. We know that brooms are loud, you know. Yep, yeah. We can ride a broomstick. We can show up at night. Yeah.
1: No, no, let's take a flying car in the middle of London, in the middle of the day, and not turn on the little... uh." you know, because it
0: had an invisibility button. Let's yeah. not
1: even bother with that. Cause they could have done that in the parking
0: lot. Well, they said it didn't work very well. It was glitchy, but nonetheless, yeah. it's just stupid. I mean,
1: just... or they could have driven the car on the street until they got out of eyesight and then flown yeah. because how they think they're going to follow the train anyway, from a platform that supposedly doesn't exist is beyond
0: me. Yeah. Just the stupidest thing. So anyway, um I couldn't have just like landed the car on I was top thinking, of the Hogwarts Express. I was thinking the same thing. Just park it on the Hogwarts Express. You're it's fine. going through. You're fine. You don't have to take the car with you. It
1: could literally just sit up there. If it goes to a tunnel and gets knocked off,
0: eh. You just fly over. You know, just keep an it eye out. Have
1: an in- they could have just climbed in the back of the train window and none of them would have been wiser. But
0: they they just are so stupid. This is why apparently Ron and Harry need hermione because they are stupid
1: they don't deserve to go to hogwarts i'm sorry i know these are our heroes and we love this story and fandom but when you really start breaking it down these are children and they are dumb children at that though i guess we cannot really expect too much in the way of decision making abilities from a 12 year old
0: especially harry who's been so sheltered he doesn't even know like proper decorum because he's only been around the dursleys too Mm -hmm. And Ron, apparently, though, should know about wizarding uh, rules. And I guess. Oh, yeah. But Fred and George probably have showed him how to break them.
1: Well, that's the thing. And also, Fred and George are constantly teaching him things wrong because it's funny. And so he does a lot of things that are really stupid. And he's like, but my brother's. Oh,
0: yeah. So, So. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's of course the car starts breaking down just as they get outside of Hogwarts, and it's and it breaks down, it starts falling, and it slams right into a tree. So
1: and then the tree got really pissed and starts
0: beating the shit out of them. Yep, car, kids, owl, all of it. Yep, and and the car gets pissed off about this. Apparently, the whole time it could have thought for itself, and it didn't think to tell them that this was stupid. So it kicks them out of the car. <laughs> And you you (laughs) motherfucker! Yep, it kicks him out of the car and it goes away.
1: And now, mind you, Ron's uh, wand breaks during the midst of the battle with the tree, so now he's got a snapped wand. And why they can send them another wand is a little beyond me. I
0: have a theory on this. First of all, I think wands are very expensive. They're like eyeglasses for kids, right? And if you're in a poor family and your kid does something stupid and breaks their wand or their eyeglasses, you make them sit there with some tape on it.
1: Well, I think you can do that with eyeglasses more so than something that can kill you. If it goes awry,
0: nobody seems to care about the value of life in the wizarding world.
1: That is true. So anyways, Ron has to get some tape, is what this is, and wrap this this wand up. They run inside. They've missed the sorting ceremony altogether. They get caught by Snape, who drags them off to his office in the dungeon and is ready to expel them, flay them. I don't know, all sorts of things. Him and Filch, they are just having a ball until Professor McGonagall and Professor Dumbledore show up. Of course, they get yelled at and they get in trouble. They're going to have to do detention because they have damaged a very, very important tree.
0: And they got seen by muggles. I think that was the bigger part of it.
1: They were seen by muggles. It was in the it was in the paper. But then they said that they had to go through and do a, a whole bunch of memory charms. So, I don't yeah. Know. Uh, and yeah. So anyways, they're starting the year off on a really bad note.
0: Yeah, so. even and then Harry is super ballsy and says, "Well, you know, since term didn't start, I don't think you should take any Gryffindor house points away." <laughs> that that really was. We
1: weren't technically here yet, so.
0: <laughs> and then I like Miss McGonagall, and she's like, "Well, good point. All right, True. You know, yeah. it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm the head of Gryffindor, but." <laughs>
1: So she does not have any qualms about taking 150 points a piece from her own. Her own yes, house, I know.
0: So. It, I mean, yeah, not to speak bad about McGonagall. It just turned out thing, but you know that if it's, if it were the Malfoys doing it and they mentioned it oh, to yeah. Snape about Slytherin, he would only agree specifically because they were Slytherin. So right. he wouldn't have done that for Gryffindor. And no, certainly not.
1: Yeah. Favoritism is fairly rampant in, uh, in the Slytherin house, especially.
0: Yes. Okay, so we're back at school. This is when you know what uh, so we kind of just skip back you know we're, we see Hermione everybody hangs out again just like normal. Uh, somehow they escape the brunt of punishment. they just have to do
1: they have to do detentions now, No and now, it's not even that Ron bad Ron has to do detention with filch and he ends up having to scrub the trophy room with without filch. magic. Uh, with no magic, no magic at all. So that was horrifying, apparently. But <laughs> so they have found out that their new defense against the dark arts teacher, because now I'll remind you, n- defense against the dark arts teachers never seemed to last longer than a year. Uh, well, yeah, onwards. the
0: last one Very... was possessed by Voldemort and tried to kill Harry. So apparently and that's a resignation.
1: Well, well, he did kind of die when he, you know, oh, yeah. when Harry touched him and he kind of turned to ash. Nobody ever addresses the fact that Harry flat out murdered a teacher, but whatever.
0: Yeah, in fact, uh, they got they got a lot of uh, points for house points for doing it. So
1: you <laughs> got sixty house points for murder. So there you go.
0: So wh- what's the term? Uh, the British term? Bully on you, uh, Harry.
1: <laughs> yeah. So they find out that he's the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, but he's he's clearly an imbecile. He's completely inept he releases pixies and they they like tear the place apart and then he runs away cuz he's an idiot
0: and he but, yeah, he, so he, he can't is, muster the magic to pull them back together you know which is no he
1: doesn't know how to do any magic he's terrible so the uh they have to they have to take care of it but he um so that's what harry's detention is he has to help lockhart answer his fan mail for like 4 hours yeah and so this is, you know, this is the big problem. They've also, I think we skipped the part. They went to um, herbology. We didn't see any herbology. Oh in no, I think that's, I,
0: yeah, I think that's the next part. But it doesn't matter because so it
1: doesn't matter. They go to herbology and they realize that they are growing these little mandrake roots, but they're these weird screaming potato baby things.
0: Yeah, they're like these ugly babies.
1: They're, they're really terrifying. But they're plants. To bite. They scream. And if you're not wearing earmuffs, they will kill you. Actually, at this point, I think they just knock you out because they're not mature enough. But basically, and they'll flat out tell you, we're going to grow these and they're going to mature until the point where we can hack them to pieces, boil them up. Now, mind you, they are living quasi sentient beings at this point. (laughs) We're going to hack them up and make a juice just in case someone happens to be petrified. Yep. because that's what you do.
0: Well, uh, yeah. So that yeah, they can uh, cure petrification. But yeah, this but is... no
1: one is petrified at this point. So it's like, well, that's interesting. But then we see Harry has gone to his detention with Lockhart, and he's been there for four hours, and he hears something.
0: He hears a voice yep.
1: during the, the detention, and it's it's whispering things like kill. So yeah,
0: must know, kill, kill, must eat, must or something. Kill,
1: must. Must maim, must whatever. And he's concerned. And he's like, what, did you hear that? And Court, of course, hears nothing. And so once he realizes the time, he lets him go. And he is heading back. But while he's heading, he can hear this voice. This is kind of disembodied voice, just like, kill, kill, kill. And so he runs around the corner and he bumps into Ron and Hermione and of course, because they're out at midnight as you are, and they run across like there's a big puddle of water on the floor, and the first thing they notice in this puddle of water is Missus Norris, who is Filch's cat. Uh, I don't. You ever wonder? You think Missus Missus Norris is like a familiar?
0: Yeah, except for uh, they try I mean, to talk about Filch being it. a squib. But you have to think that a familiar wouldn't matter. It would just be a magical being that. You know, they I They
1: seem they just seem to have a, a really strong connection between Filch and this cat to just be a normal cat. Yeah, and so. if
0: Filch and if the cat sees something then Filch comes running. So they have some kind of yeah. a connection. There's some sort
1: of bond there. They never really gets explored to my knowledge, so we'll have to Send Miss uh, Miss Rowling here and a yeah. tweet and ask her about this.
0: So specifically, these are what what uh, he could what Harry could hear. It was rip, tear, kill. So hungry for so long. Kill time to kill is what he heard faintly. Which is disturbing. It it would not be something that you'd be like, oh, somebody's screwing around. It was it concerned him, and that's what uh, caused him to follow. At this point we see something written on the word wall, right?
1: Well, I don't think they see that until that first they notice the cat. So the cat is okay. laying there solid as stone. And of course, for whatever reason, every student in the school is out at midnight and they all converge on the same hallway at the same time. Yeah. And they all see Mrs. Norris like hanging from a lamppost. And of course, you know, filch comes around the corner and freaks out, thinks that Harry has murdered his cat to get back at him because he busted him with the whomping willow business, and uh so it you know that's when Dumbledore and all the other teachers show up, and they're like, maybe it's just the wrong place at the wrong time, but that's when they look up and see the writing on the wall in blood, yeah of, it's, you yeah, know, it's a, Chamber of secrets has been opened, en- Air to the
0: yeah enemies of the air beware, beware, yeah.
1: So then they're like, what?
0: Yeah, so it's super creepy. So we've opened up the story. You know, I say we opened up the story. We are literally halfway through the book. Halfway um, through the book, yeah. You know. Before we hear about this story. And it's creepy. Anywho, the reason why I keep referring to creepy is that's that shit's messed up, right? They can't wash these up. this uh, warning off of the wall. It petrified a perfectly good cat. And yeah, only- they just
1: leave it there. You ever know? They just leave the... Yeah. The warning there. Like it
0: just sits there. Oh no, there. no, I'm they like, said oh, that they I'm were unable it. to scrub it off no matter what they did, so some kind of magic graffiti, magic blood. Yep. Yeah. So So anyway, this, this, this is, is happening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they so they keep trying to figure out what's happening. Uh Hermione can't find any of these answers in any of her school books, and so it's really well, bothering her.
1: No one else can hear it. Harry yeah. keeps uh, occasionally he will hear this voice and will follow it around and unfortunately every time he goes to follow the voice he comes across yet another petrified person yeah oh we forgot the dueling club so they start a dueling club lockhart starts a dueling club at hogwarts
0: i think snape put him into it because he wanted to prove to everybody that lockhart didn't know shit Right. That's well, I'm Snape, sure they did. that's Snape's thing is to prove that the defense against dark arts teacher is not qualified to do their job. And well,
1: from, when you want the job, that's exactly what you do.
0: Well, he was right last year. He's very okay. evidently right this year. So we'll see if this is a trend that continues.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if they had just given him the job, maybe we exactly. could have. Some stuff, exactly.
0: Exactly. But-, but you know what? You don't give the whiny bitch the, the, what they want. Then he just causes more problems. Next thing you know, um, Snape will be headmaster and all hell will break loose. Anyway, so
1: they start this dueling club, and of course, you know, Lockhart thinks he's gonna get up there and show all this flourishing magic. And Snape says, Perhaps we need to teach them to disarm each other, disarm unfriendly, you know, foes so that they, you know, don't die. And so they start doing this, and then they think it's a great idea to pair up Harry and Malfoy. Oh, we're going to buy. Oh, just, just expelliarmus each other. That's all you're supposed to do. But of course they're mortal enemies. They're not going to do that. So they start doing what 12 year old boys do and they start sick snakes on each other and shit. And yeah. so, you know, uh,
0: yeah. So- Malfoy
1: shoots a snake at Harry and then, you know, Gilderoy Lockhart and all of his glory thinks he's going to come and banish the snake. What all he does is piss it off. And then it starts to go after Justin Filch-Lunchley, yeah, whatever his name is. So
0: uh, it starts to go after Bay. that. Yeah.
1: And then Harry starts to talk to the snake and tells it, hey, don't do that. Back off. Get away, snake. Unfortunately, what he doesn't realize is that he is, in fact, a parcel mouth, which means that he speaks parcel tongue, which is snake language. So everyone else around him hears him speaking snake language. They have no and, idea what he's saying. Yeah. But they know he sounds like a snake and he know it, it sounds and, you know, it looks and sounds like he's egging the snake on to attack instead of what he's really doing, which is trying to get it away. Yes. So he's like, "What? Well, I'm sure lots of people can talk to snakes. I mean, I said a python on my cousin at the zoo last book, but, you know, I didn't mean to. And, oh, you know, whatever. Yeah, he they're doesn't like, know. No,
0: no. <laughs> That's not normal. Yeah, he doesn't realize how rare it is. And so now, um, everybody's starting to think they're like enemies of the air beware. That means and we know that oh, we forgot to talk about this, but we'll talk we'll go back to this. Salazar Slytherin is also a parcel mouth. And yeah. and so therefore, their automatic assumption is that hey, now that Harry Potter's at the school, maybe he's the heir and he opened the chamber of secrets. So instead of being the hero, he's like an awful, awful person and everybody's scared of him. Yeah. So let's we can talk about that because um, the history teacher did go into what the The rumor is they nobody believes that uh, the Chamber of Secrets actually exists because it was over a thousand years ago or something when the chamber would have been created and it would have been created by Salazar Slytherin, which was, of course, had been the founder of the Slytherin house. And he was upset that Hogwarts was opening its doors to people that were not of pure blood wizardry ancestry.
1: Do you think they use tiki torches and khaki pants?
0: Yes, I'm positive. <laughs> so the alt right wizards <laughs> and all
1: all racist protesters do. Yes. I should not
0: laugh at that. Jesus well, it's absolutely well. Awkward. You know, it's it, it's absolutely so sad that when you hear this story, you think, "Man, what a backwards time that was," and blah 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 blah. And, and then
1: you turn on the news and go, "Oh, crap. well, shit." So like, I think I'd like to go back to that backwards time over there in that castle, please.
0: Yeah, this is the first time we, though this book is the first time we start to understand that there is this uh, dividing factor.
1: Well, this is also when we first hear the term mudbloods, right? Because they didn't, they didn't really focus on any of that kind of thing in the first, because in the first book, they're like, my mom's half. Wizard and my dad's a muggle, and boy was he surprised. And so they're talking about it. And Hermione's parents are both dentists, and nobody knows what a dentist is because England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, England. Uh, but but no, seriously, these these wizard kids have perfect teeth. I don't understand why. I don't know what a dentist is, but whatever. Uh, so, the, but this is the first time we really realize that. This being a pure blood wizard versus not is a big deal to to some of these old old blood houses, yeah. And so they're using this terrible term, this mud blood, dirty blood term. And Malfoy is the first one to really spew it, but it becomes very, you know, prevalent after that.
0: Yeah, it becomes evident that this is a thing, right? There is just the old school bigoted ants that have too much to drink at thanksgiving dinner and 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 then there is you know every any dinner really yes and then there's the you know the younger generation and obviously this younger group you know at 11 and 12 they didn't even think like that 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 was even an issue or something to divide to be uh divide with but it does show you know wizards aren't any different than all of us that these prejudices keep running through and keep rearing their ugly heads over and over again, apparently. So Well, they do. And
1: until somebody breaks that cycle, then it's obviously going to continue because it's being passed down from generation to generation. But the nice thing is just like with anything, the more you pass something down, the little bit more diluted it gets. So it's not quite as potent as it would have been. Because think about it during Voldemort's time, he was full on wiping out anybody who was, you know, you know, non- full magic blood and they they're come around to it again but by this time now we're just throwing insults right yeah it's not until the old you know let's say the old white bastards get back into power that yeah it starts to become a big ugly thing again and and unfortunately we've seen that in modern society as well as you know it used to be totally acceptable to sit around and talk about race and you know say horrible things about other humans and do horrible things to other humans and people go, ah, they're from insert whatever placating thing here. And now we're like, that's, that's fucking ridiculous. How can that possibly happen? And then all of a sudden it starts happening again. And we're like, Oh, it's, that, it's oh, been
0: going oh. on all this time. Just behind yeah, closed doors. Like,
1: oh, I just, I just thought that was in a book somewhere. I didn't realize people were still doing that. Yeah.
0: Yeah but it uh, does uh, that this becomes a theme throughout the books but i in fact i was remember being kind of surprised here i'll tell you later why yeah, <laughs> i just yeah. realized i'm spoiling part of the book <laughs> so we yeah. might as well get to that part okay so, so so well, everybody's anyways, afraid everybody of harry Harry's bad yeah be- just because he possesses the talent of the most uh, feared and and scary uh yeah. dark wizard ever to exist He's really just a language. Like he doesn't have any other special abilities at all. Yeah. And but luckily, Hermione, wizard. Yeah. Luckily, Hermione and um, Ron believe him, but uh, it really kind of makes him kind of lonely and isolated.
1: Well, it does. And you know, uh, unfortunately, the next time he hears this whisper voice and starts chasing the disembodied voice, the person he runs across who has been petrified. Is Justin the one who the snake went after and nearly headless Nick?
0: Um,
1: and so of course, then everybody really thinks he's the heir of Slytherin. Uh, because because, Justin
0: bothered him
1: because Justin had you know had called him out on it or whatever, and then he was like afraid of him or whatever, and he had mentioned that you know he was half blood
0: or whatever. Yeah, he was muggle born, and yeah. I love at this point
1: that Harry, Ron, and Hermione have devised a plan because they they are convinced that either Malfoy is the heir of Slytherin because he's really greasy and an asshole, or he knows who it is. Yep. Um. Because this happened, you know, previously when his dad would have probably been at school or close there too. Yep. So they devise this plan that they are going to make some polyjuice potion, which allows you to. Take an essence, a hair or whatever of another person, put it into this disgusting concoction, drink it, and you will actually physically transform into that person for a certain amount of time, I guess, depending on the
0: strength of your polyjuice. Yeah, patient. and it takes a month to make. So the only place they
1: can come up with to do this is in one of the girls' bathrooms that nobody goes into because of Moaning Myrtle. So, they have a ghost named Moaning Myrtle who lives in the bathroom and cries a lot.
0: And she is super annoying, and we totally so understand. Annoying. She is the girl nobody
1: would want to hang out with because she is just, and I'm not even going to say she's clinically depressed. Like, this girl is just a whiny fucking bitch, right? Yeah. Like, she is just a crybaby. She is a whiner, and then she died. And now she's, you know, she's in this bathroom and she'd be crying forever. And so, anyways, they're in there and they're learning little bits and pieces from Myrtle, but not much until they there's one day they go and let me see, hang on. Well, they I do, well, they take
0: the polyjuice by this time, right? About- well, they, yeah,
1: they've made the polyjuice potion. Um, they take it because they are going to transform themselves into Crab and Goyle and Millicent Bulstrode, which is a Slytherin girl, which I like that the way that. Hermione gets the hair from Millicent is because Millicent tries to beat the shit out of her at the uh, the dueling club. Yep. Like she tackles her and she leaves these hairs on her robe. So she's like, "Ha, I've got mine. Go get this. So the way that they get crab and Goyle out of the picture is to put a sleeping drought into some like pastries or little cakes, float them in midair and just like, in the middle of a hallway and these morons actually grab the cakes and eat them yep who does that Uh like whose parents didn't warn them hey if you see cake floating in midair and no one's around maybe don't eat that
0: exactly so crab and goyle fall asleep to that so the harry can change into their shoes and uh, they lock them in a closet while they change into crab goyle and maleficent what is her name Millicent. Millicent
1: Bolstrode.
0: Okay. Bolstrode. Yeah, so they change into her in Moni Myrtle's bathroom, and Hermione's like, you know what? I'm not doing well. Uh, Just, I'm not going. Yeah. Just go, go without me. Hurry up. Bye. But time's ticking. Go. And so they're like, I don't know what that's about. Anyway, so they went back and find uh, the Slytherin They'd house. Have to go,
1: yeah, they have to go find it, because they don't actually know where any of the other house common rooms i know this place is gigantic
0: yeah the place is so big nobody knows where anything is but it's
1: like secretive like why can't i know where the entrance i can't get into the ravenclaw common room but why can't i know where it is like it's it's very weird they have lots of secrets at Hogwarts.
0: Yeah. So eventually they find it by th- following somebody. Oh, it turns out to be Draco. Draco just runs out there and he's like, hey, where the hell yeah, have you been? In,
1: they run into Percy because Percy's down there being, uh, Ron's brother Percy is down there being all prefecty and uh, bitching at him. But then Malfoy comes along. So they just follow him in. Yeah. And they start asking him questions, which I, I'm going to say Malfoy should have been a little more curious about because I don't even think... You know, they can actually speak like you never hear them speak.
0: Yeah, they're really dumb. And so he's very uh, so he's (laughs) very startled when they're like asking questions. But he did confirm that. No, he did not know who the heir of Slytherin was, that his dad was going to school when he was. And um, but he won't give him any more information because it will make him to suspect or anything like that. But he also goes on to talk about all these things that could get his dad in trouble, what he's hiding from the ministry and whatnot, which was kind of funny, just a side that note. They're great. like, well, good thing that you're not talking to the person that tries to get you in trouble, son or anything.
1: Dad is out doing these raids. Look under the floorboard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but then he, what he does tell them is that when the chamber was open before, um, a girl actually died. Mm-hmm. And so, this is interesting information for them. So they're running back to the bathroom to try to tell Hermione what's going on, and they re- they realize that Hermione is now a cat, <laughs> but not a not a real cat. She's like half person, half cat. She's like a werecat. Potion. cat. Yeah, yeah. Polyjuice potion is only for human transformation, and what she had on her robes was cat hair. So I think she spends about a month in the hospital coughing up fur balls and yeah. trying to get detailed and whatever. So and
0: apparently and Ma- Madam Pomfrey is like, she is super ass cool because she is like, you know, snitches get stitches, and she does not tell anybody anything about what they did to get her in uh, the hospital. Right. Yeah. So I thought that was awesome.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I always think that's really interesting. Like nobody gets busted once they go see Madam Pomfrey, like you think she would have been going, Hmm. Polyjuice potion, which is illegal for a student like you to make. So yeah. Telling anybody about that and why you're missing your classes for a month. Eh, you're all right. You're smart. You'll, you'll catch up.
0: Yeah. We'll say you have the flu anyway. Continue. Yeah, it's
1: fine. Whatever. So anyway, she uh turns into a cat. They get her back from being a cat. And I think she, at some point kind of, kind of figures things out. Yeah, like she- something clicks in her head and she runs to the library because yeah. that's what she does. But this is when uh, Harry's going out for Quidditch. He's going out there. And then all of a sudden, the Quidditch game is canceled. And they bring Harry back. And, you know, a couple other people have been petrified at this point. But they run Harry and Ron in and realize that Hermione has now been petrified. Yep. Holding a mirror. And she's laying in there for, in the book, it seems like several weeks. Yeah, long time. Mm -hmm. Months. Like, she's in there for
0: a while. Because, you know why? It's because that leaves Harry and Ron to solve the mystery, and we know they're really, really dumb. Well,
1: that's the thing. It takes 20 times longer for them to fucking figure it out, because she's not around, because they're idiots. Yes. So, anyways, they finally kind of start to to put things together that... They only put them together
0: because... Uh, they locked down the school and they needed to go talk to Hagrid because he knew that Hagrid was going to school at the same time as Lucius Malfoy. I can't remember right. how they found that out. So they put on their invisibility cloak. Oh,
1: no, no, we totally missed the whole part about uh, Tom Riddle's diary.
0: Oh, yeah, that's how we knew.
1: Yeah, no, that's because... How we knew. So they, they, they find the flooding in the bathroom. Moaning Myrtle has flooded the bathroom again. And doing that, she... Um, She tells them that, like, they were like, what if, no, no, not yet. So they go in there and she's like, I don't know. Did you come to throw a book at my head? And they, somebody had tried to flush a book. And for whatever reason, this book has Tom Marvolo Riddle emblazoned on the back. So Harry takes it like, "Hmm, interesting book. And he goes to write in it and all the writing disappears. Like, oh, that's weird. And then he realizes the book starts to talk back to him. Like the book is writing back to him. So he's asking it, Do you know anything about the chamber of secrets? He's like, Yes, I do. Let me show you. And so of course he dives headfirst into this book and he shows him this scene where the girl has died in the castle and she is um We didn't we didn't see are, the
0: We didn't see the girl here, but we did no, see no, we don't
1: see it here. We see an arm. Yeah. flop out that, you know, is it true that a girl died? Yes, it's true. So basically we see Tom Riddle go and confront Hagrid, a young Hagrid, um, with a monster in a box. And he's acting like this is the monster in the chamber of secrets.
0: They, they, uh, expel Hagrid and he sees that Hagrid, And Tom Riddle the, helped the chamber it happen.
1: is closed. Tom Riddle gets a special award to the school Ron knows this because he had to he had to wash it during his detention without magic, and so that's when they decide they're going to go take the cloak and go down to visit Hagrid, yep. and find out what really happened. Yeah. So as the Hagrid doesn't really get a chance to even tell them yeah. what's going on before there's a knock on his door, they are hiding under the cloak. Dumbledore and Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, come in. And they decide that they are going to take Hagrid to Azkaban because they think it's him who has opened the Chamber of Secrets again.
0: Yeah, Uh,
1: And of course, Malfoy's dad shows up at this point and he is basically kicking Dumbledore out of the school.
0: Yes. So Lucius comes in, he kind of represents the board of directors or somebody over Hogwarts, and they make the decision that uh, Dumbledore needs to leave the school as well. So the whole time Harry and Ron are under the invisibility cloak, and they're seeing this, and Hagrid knows that they're there. So he says, you know what? If I were looking for the answer to this mystery, I would follow the spiders. Yep, that's what I would do. And then uh, Dumbledore also said something very suspicious-like, and even though he did not know they were there, and said, you know, I'm never really gone from Hogwarts as long as somebody needs me.
1: It, yeah, help will always be given at Hogwarts. To those who ask for it. But he's looking right at him. So you know he can actually see through the invisibility cloak.
0: Yeah. Like he knows they're Dumb- there. He just Dumbledore knows some shit. Anyway, so Dumbledore that was Dumbledore knows everything. I know. So Lucius is like All right. Okay. And then, and then let's <laughs> go. So Yeah. It, so that ga- that gave him some clues that they need to start following spiders and see where the spiders are going. Because that was weird. And of course, Ron is
1: deadly afraid of spiders. So this is not. And and apparently, in the book, uh, they basically find out that the reason Ron is deathly afraid of spiders is that his the twins transformed his teddy bear as a child into a big furry spider, and it terrified him. So, anyways, they have to go following the spiders, who are of course trekking right on in in large quantities to the forbidden forest, but they take Fang with them. I don't know why Fang's a coward, but they take him anyway. So they go and they follow the spiders into the forest as you do. And they come across this giant cave or den of hollow, whatever of spiders. And the world's biggest spider comes down and starts to talk to him in plain English, which I think that's stuff of nightmares right there, but Yes.
0: It's like so the size is- of a baby elephant I think is what they were saying. Yeah, I think
1: that's what they said. He's huge. So his name is Aragog. And so they start talking to Aragog. Um they're like, oh, "Wait, wait, wait, friends of Hagrid, Hagrid sent us. Uh can, you know, can you tell us about the Chamber of Secrets? Oh, there's a monster there. It's ancient. We we fear it among all others. We do not speak its name. They won't tell him anything about it." Um but they do they do confirm that they are not in fact the monster he was not the monster and that a girl died in a bathroom yeah but then he decides to sick all of his children onto ron and hermione and fang not hermione ron and harry and fang and then the car shows up yay good thing we didn't leave it on top of the train
0: And, yeah, the car shows up, grabs them, and then runs... The car's
1: gone feral, too, which is the funny
0: thing. Yeah, that it was, that it's, like, you know, has vines growing over it. It's clearly a wild beast now, but it still remembered enough of its initial loyalty to grab uh, Ron and Harry and fly them, or, you know, not fly them, run them out of harm's way for the spiders. Um, Because, you know what, Hagrid, dick move. They were going to eat your friends, (laughs) Um, right, he's
1: like, I don't let them harm Hagrid, but you know, you're not Hagrid, so sorry, <laughs> goodbye, friend of Hagrid.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they did. They get confirmation that Hagrid was framed, and mm-hmm. um, just like he is now, and so they still have something to bat to go and resolve at Hogwarts. So they head back to the school, go back to the Gryffindor common room, and that's when uh, Harry's room has been ransacked. Is yes, that? his
1: room has been his room has been ransacked, and the journal of Tom Riddle is gone. It has disappeared.
0: Yeah, and the only thing he knows is that a Gryffindor had to have stolen it because only a Gryffindor could get into the room. So yeah, creepy. and
1: this is about the time that they start to really put together what Aragog has said. He said, a girl was murdered in the bathroom. What if she never left? And yeah. so they go back and they talk to Moaning Myrtle and ask her about how she died. And she said, you know, tells the story about how she was upset because somebody hurt her feelings. And she was crying in the bathroom. And then she heard a boy say some kind of weird thing over by the sinks. And, um, you know, turns out that it was, whatever she said i saw some great big eyes and i died like that was it yeah and so it was like that's interesting but one of the things they had found in hermione's hand after she became petrified was a piece of a book like it was ripped out of a book which i cannot even imagine hermione actually ripping i couldn't either any page out of a book so that's weird um but anyway, so she's got this, and it's it's basically the encyclopedia version of a basilisk. And the basilisk is basically a very large spider, um, or a very large snake, excuse me. Um the only thing that it fears or that can hurt it is uh chickens. Weird. Yeah. Uh this ch- so that's why the, all the, the rooster crow. On. Yeah. All of the chickens are are dead. The rooster crow kills it or her arms it or whatever. Spiders flee before it. So they put all this together and they're like, well, how's a ready big snake getting through the school? And of course she's written the word pipes. He's like, Oh, well, that's why I'm hearing it in the walls. Well, that makes sense. Using the plumbing. So they go and they realize uh, they're on their way to go kind of figure this out or go tell someone. And they come across, you know, her skeleton will lie forever in the chamber you know, whatever, because Ginny Weasley yeah. has now been taken into the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah,
0: so right way. right below the thing is her bones will be buried in, you know, yeah. something like that is some kind of terrible thing. And we find out uh, because Miss McGonagall tells him that Ginny Weasley or they overhear it because they were stuck in a closet that Ginny mm. Weasley um, was uh, taken into the Chamber of Secrets. And so suddenly it's personal for Ron, because before when it went after Hermione, she Not so bad. Oh, they also realized that um, that seeing them through a reflection is what caused petrification and not death, because Mrs. Norris saw them through uh, a reflection on the floor, and um, water, yeah, uh, of the water, and uh, Colin Creevy saw them through the uh, lens of a camera. One of the other kids saw them through a ghost, which is yeah. Justin
1: saw it through nearly headless Nick. And Nick couldn't die twice because he's already dead. And then Hermione had been looking around corners. There was another girl that got uh, petrified at the same time, but they were both using the mirror.
0: Because she figured it out. Yeah. Uh,
1: So they figured this out. And then, you know, Gilderoy Lockhart has said, oh, well, I have no word this has been all along. I'll I'll go take care of it. They're like, yeah, you do that. So they go to run to tell him what they know because they think they know where the the, uh, you know, the chamber of secrets entrances, and they realize he's running away. So they go and they, they tell him he's a coward and he tries, he says, well, what I am really, really good at is memory charms. That's how I, you know, stole all of the work these other wizards did and kept them from ratting me out. So I wouldn't be able to sell any more books. So they, they disarm him Expelliarmus style. And they force him to go with them, though I don't really know why.
0: Yeah, I don't know uh, why either. I
1: don't know what they thought good he would be. I guess they just figured he'd be good bait just in case. <laughs> so they they go down and they ask uh, you know, Myrtle about how she died. And then uh, they realize that there's a, a little thing under the sink that has a, like a snake on it. And so Harry talks to it in a uh, partial tongue. Or partial mouth, whatever. It's like Open uh,
0: Sesame or something, and it's like Open. <laughs>
1: it's like Open, please. I don't know what he says. Uh, and then it it does. It opens, and so they they you know they shut Chuck uh, Lockhart down there first to see how far it is. And they get down there, and you know something happens. And
0: yeah. So it, yeah. So it's basically a big slide, and so everybody kind of yeah. slides down to the bottom there, and Lockhart gets down, and they, they all come down, and somewhere during this, uh, Lockhart disarms Ron just by pulling out out his wand and gives him the memory charm. Unfortunately, it backfires. So
1: He's using Ron's wand yes, to do it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Because, so, and
1: his broken wand.
0: So it causes, the backlash causes a collapse in the cave or cavern or pipe, whatever the hell they're in, and um, traps Lockhart on the other side with Ron and Harry to continue down the Chamber of Secrets by himself. They talk to each other. They confirm everybody's okay. Ron actually said that Gilderoy had memory charmed himself and now was an idiot. So, you know, Mm -hmm. not much different. He just doesn't remember now.
1: Which was probably easier in the long run. Yeah. So then basically Harry has to go on by himself to go try to find Jenny in the Basilisk. And he runs into Tom Riddle, 16-year-old Tom Riddle, He's like, Tom, what the fuck are you doing here? And uh, Tom kind of starts to, like, Harry's not getting it, right? Like, he's like, no, no, you have to help me. There's a basilisk. He's like, "Ah, I won't come until I call it. He's like, no, no, you got to run. Like, he's not even remotely getting this, that Tom Riddle's a bad guy. Yeah. Finally clicks. (laughs)
0: Well, (laughs) it clicks when he won't help uh, Ginny. He's like, you got to help me get Ginny because we got to get out of here. And he's like, no. When he
1: steals Harry's wand is a big problem.
0: Oh, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of stuff where where Harry's a little too dumb to pick it up. I know he's our hero, but he's not very smart. But a lot of people that aren't very smart can be heroes. So He's 12. Well, honestly,
1: a lot of heroes aren't very smart, and that's probably why they're brave enough to do the things that they do. So yeah. anyway, so he finally figures it out. And he's like, how did a baby with no discerning magical talent beat the greatest dark wizard ever? and he's like what do you give a shit about Voldemort that was before he was after you he's like that is me dummy like he you know his tom marvolo riddle becomes a anagram for i am lord voldemort or
0: whatever yeah, something along those lines yeah, apparently it changes like in whatever language it's in so that they have different names because they need the anagram to work so he's got it different will, names yeah. in every language
1: as you do <laughs> so anyways it is what it is so that's 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 what it is and he's like oh Voldemort you suck so then the the basilisk comes and he has to run away and he's like uh the Albus Dumbledore is the greatest wizard to ever live and then Fox shows up the phoenix which we yeah. didn't even talk about Fox. yeah
0: yeah so if the phoenix is Dumbledore's pet uh or his familiar or whatever it is he saw him like die and get reborn he was freaking yeah, he's out
1: like oh So sad you had to see him on a burning day. He's been looking dreadful now. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, Fox shows up and drops the sorting hat at his feet for,
0: and he's like,
1: thank you. And then he flies up and he, I know he's like, he brought you a hat and a bird. Congratulations. Yeah. But the bird goes and claws the eyes out of the basilisk. So it can't kill on sight, but it can still smell you and eat you. So he has to run around and do that stuff. So anyways, he comes back and he's still trying to get to Jenny and the basilisk comes back and he pulls the sword of Gryffindor out of the sorting hat.
0: Yeah, so somehow and, it got heavier and he was able to feel it and he's like something's yeah. in here and he pulls yeah, out something. a sword inside a hat. Yeah. Like a magician. Yeah, so
1: he goes he goes and stabs the basilisk through the face as you do, but in the meantime also gets a basilisk fang to the forearm. So anyways, he's sneaking back and he's He's, you know, trying to figure out Jenny, and you know, Riddle is still kind of mocking him, and so he takes that Basilisk fang out of his arm, realizing he's got about a minute left to live, and he decides, for no real reason, that he's going to stab the book with the fang. So he stabs the book with the fang, and whoa, and you know, Riddle's gone, and then all of a sudden Jenny sits up and it's like, oh, it was me, I did it, I, I. I did this, I did that, I did all of it. I didn't know. He made me do it, I swear. And so he's still trying to die over there. He's like, just get out of here. But Fox comes over and cries on his arm and it heals up. And
0: Tom was making fun of Ginny during this time because he was like, Oh, I think maybe she wrote in the diary that maybe I'm doing this. And he's making fun of her. And Harry's getting more and more angry uh, at Tom Randall because he's being a douche canoe. Right. And he's getting really, really angry. And that's when he was like, well, I'm going to, you know, he stabbed it with the, the basilisk thing, but Harry's dying a basilisk fang is really really poisonous but we learned that the phoenix tears have a uh, healing power and so fox came over him and cried on him and were able to heal him and, and
1: conveniently enough they can also carry very heavy loads including ron Herm- ron jenny Harry and Gilderoy Lockhart and the I sword of they just, and the Sorting yeah, Hat the sword and the Sorting Hat and you know a partridge in a pear tree they just flew right on it now where they were flying out of I don't know because that was not the bathroom they came in
0: I know it was that was, I now I'm
1: mixing I'm mixing it to the movie so yeah sorry. yeah
0: so but they did they did have to use flight to get out of there yes. so yes they did th- at the end of this this is where I'm like. All right, Dumbledore. You know what's going on because you send the things that need to be sent down to help him. You couldn't do shit, huh? like you know yeah, or
1: or say something like, "Hey, perhaps you should take this with you when you go wandering the castle. That would yeah. be handy. no, he's a dick.
0: Yeah, he was a dick. I was thinking that was just absolutely ridiculous the whole time. He's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Harry's probably going to have to face a basilisk. Well, I'll make sure he has a hat, you know? Yeah.
1: And a bird. That. that will help. Yeah. If he's good, maybe a sword will show up. Can you imagine if he was a true Slytherin? What would have come out of the hat? A snake? Yeah.
0: What and, would that have been? Yes, I throw my snake at you. Yeah. So and yeah, that does actually bring up where they get back together at the end and he uh he tells uh Dumbledore that, hey, you know, the sorting hat told me I should have been a Slytherin and I speak parcel tongue. So I'm starting to think that maybe I am evil, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or something along those lines. And um that's when Dumbledore shows him that the sword is the sword of Godric Gryffindor, and only a true Gryffindor could have pulled him out of the hat.
1: Well, he also makes a really nice statement there that you know it's not the things that make you the same; it's the things that make you different and define your choices. So that's a really nice thing because I think all of us at some point have realized that we've we've possibly inherited some really bad traits, or we have people around us who are not always the the best influence and we worry that we could be like them but the fact that we try hard and we try not to do those things it w- is what separates you know like i i know some people who are true on sociopaths and you know i'm i'm a psychologist so i know how to influence i understand manipulation and sometimes my brain goes to jesus christ what if i'm a sociopath and then i realize the sheer fact that i worry that I could possibly be a sociopath means I'm not. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more comforting there.
0: So. Yep. I actually read that's. It, this reminds me of a fan theory that I read that any um, Gryffindor actually has to choose to be a Gryffindor in the hat, because if you think about it, Hermione was much more inclined to be a Ravenclaw based on her traits. And so mm-hmm. same with Neville Longbottom with him being more like herbology so things. Hufflepuff, and, yeah, yeah. And so there, and uh, Ron would probably be Hufflepuff, uh, you know, just they different. Ron had
1: to choose to be a Gryffindor because his entire family would have disowned exactly,
0: it. Exactly. So they, he wanted it and he, so he tried to, he overruled the thing. So that was how you get into Gryffindor because it had the most eclectic version of, I think with
1: the strongest trait that that group has being kind of bravery and this run of heroism, I think that you have to choose that. Like that's not something that's just thrust upon you because we all have to make the choice. You know, we can see horrible things happening and we can walk away from it or we can jump into the fray. And that is a choice. It's an active choice. so. So, so anyways, um, towards the end there, he gets back up and he has this little convo with, uh, Dumbledore. But that's when Malfoy, Lucius Malfoy shows oh, back yes. up and he's pissed because uh, Dumbledore's back in office, you know, here's, up. Oh, we signed you out. He's like, you know, Lucius it was really interesting that the other 11 governors decided that you were going to put a curse on their family if they didn't vote me out. So we voted you out instead. Bye bye. And, uh, he makes some kind of veiled threats and less veiled threats and he's got Dobby the house elf with him. Which Harry's like this is your master and of course he kicks him down the stairs and does all these horrible things to him and
0: Harry doesn't and
1: did, Lucius stuff. How could Douches Dumbledore that he's just sitting there watching house elf house elf abuse. You know what I mean? Like he's just like let's see how this plays out. And so <laughs> Harry I don't know he's like Harry ends up taking the uh well they say you know they basically accused lucius of having slipped tom riddle's diary into jenny weasley's cauldron the day that they were at the bookstore diagon alley Uh, and that's how she came across it and of course he's like why don't you prove it and so anyways harry's like can i borrow that book for a minute yeah let me take this
0: yeah they were definitely not uh, able to to prove what lucius had done so they they, so he got to
1: But he made it clear that, you know, should any more of Lord Voldemort's old school things wind up in hands, the consequences would be severe. So anyways, Harry decides he's going to help Dobby out because he's a good guy. And oh, we forgot about the part where Dobby sent the bludger after him during the Quidditch match and broke his arm. And then Gilderoy Lockhart like made his bones disappear. Anyway. Yeah. So. uh (laughs) So anyways, Harry runs out and gives the book back to Malfoy and says, this is yours. He's like, this isn't mine. But he throws it at Dobby and Harry gets him to open it. and There's a sock in it. And the way that the house elf is freed is if his master presents him with clothing. So since he handed him the sock, he's like, damn, Dobby is free. And how insane is it that Lucius Malfoy was totally going to the cadaver him right in the middle of fucking Hogwarts?
0: Yes, but I think that was only a book or a movie thing because that I may
1: have been a book movie thing. He, did he just lunged. Kind of thing
0: yeah, he just lunged. Dobby
1: does like blast him out down the hallway or whatever. And I'm just like, wow, ballsy. But you know, they don't let you apparate in and out of Hogwarts. You think they would probably have something against those unforgivable curses too? So
0: Bro- most likely, yeah, I don't know. Um, ex- you would think. But uh, the house elf becoming free just then—that was actually kind of a very unique. A, occasion because you know we hadn't really heard of house elves but we got to see that they had an extraordinary amount of magic in fact to the point where they could do things that Harry couldn't do they could do things that Lucius couldn't do that you know they were able well, to block their spells this
1: house elf actually have stronger powers than most wizards like they can operate in and out of Hogwarts they can do and he's like of course I'm an elf like I can do what I want But it's like, how does does a being that strong become enslaved by a weaker being, you know, so it's it's, yeah,
0: yeah. So it was it was an interesting aside, but we saw how strong the house elves could be and how much magic they were able to conjure up at any given time. Anyway, so that was the story. Uh, Did we have anything else to add? Because we got to see that Dobby become free, even though he was annoying as fuck during this episode. But he was... Well,
1: that was one thing that he made him promise to never try to save his life again. Because every time he tried to save his life, he almost
0: destroyed it. Yes. Very good point. So
1: So, that that was about it for Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets.
0: Do you have anything that's yeah, like in context quotes for this book? I do. Uh, so here is the in yeah. context internet quote. Okay, but if Tom Riddle used the Chamber of Secrets, doesn't that mean he would have had to take the slide down? Did he scream? Did he go wee? Or did he just sit there emotionless as he slid down the pipes?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but I'd like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> do have for our ask a nerdy bitch segment oh Uh, i have some questions that we got this time they are actually advice and or etiquette questions Ooh, so i have quite a few are you ready these are gonna be exciting actually let's take a quick break because we got a promo that we want to throw in here for one of our other show friends and then we're going to come back and do this segment here perfect
0: hi i'm ellen and i'm scared we exist in the matrix i'm Jaslyn, and i'm bad at ad-libbing And you're listening to High High Expectations, Expectations, the promo. For our international listeners, you can appreciate our cute New Zealand accents. For our local listeners, you might bump into us in the street three times in the same hour. Our podcast is about pop culture, sexuality, relationships, interesting hobbies, banter and ragging on each other. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, or anywhere you might like to find podcasts. Yay. Please subscribe. Goodbye.
1: And we're back. All right. So now we are on to our segment called Ask a Nerdy Bitch. (laughs) We decided that we wanted to do a segment on advice, etiquette, kind of a Dear Abby thing, but a Dear Bitches thing. So you can always send us questions on Twitter or Facebook and just use like a hashtag of Ask a Nerdy Bitch. That's fine. So I've asked some questions out and these are the ones that I got. So we're going to try to answer them and we will absolutely credit the people who sent them to us. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First question. How many animals are too many? I have a small place. This is from Brendan at what were they thinking podcast.
0: Two per bedroom.
1: I think it depends on the animal. Uh, Uh. I think if you have fish, you can have a large number of fish in a small place without it being overwhelming. If it's uh, giraffes, I'm gonna go with one max. <laughs> so, so I think it really uh, it really depends on that. But yeah, I think anything. You know, we have a three-bedroom house. I have two dogs. I could probably deal with one more. Any more than that would be a little, maybe a little overwhelming.
0: May I think they're like martinis. Okay, the martinis are like breasts. You know, you've heard this. That one is not uh, one is not enough, but three is way too many. Mm, something like that. Yeah.
1: So yeah, so count your breasts, Brendan, <laughs> and that's how, many, that's how many animals you can have in your place. I guess it also depends on the size of your place. If you live in a cardboard box, I would I would go with very small animals or perhaps one that can just stand guard for you or one that you could live under. So if you had like a battle rhino or something, I just yeah. went and saw Black
0: Panther, Black Panther so I would yeah.
1: totally love a uh, battle rhino. You could just like put a hammock under it and then yeah. mobile, mobile home. yeah anyways thank you for that that was a good question next question comes from stork at the besotted geek podcast and stork says why the pinky extension when drinking a beverage like why why is your pinky out when you drink tea Uh, and when and where did this become a thing
0: i have a feeling it's very similar to the cocaine pinky that you grow out really long so you can sniff some cocaine." I'm sure the source of it was 1980s.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go with it was probably earlier than that. And let's say pinkies were invented before spoons, but after spaghetti um, in a princess bride kind of way. So maybe the pinky was originally used as a stirrer. (laughs) And therefore, once you went to drink, you had to leave it out. Otherwise, you would end up with tea in your lap. (laughs) And I'm going to go with this started in Detroit. Okay. So, <laughs> All right. I don't know. You ask a weird question, you get a weird answer. So thank you, Stork. Uh, next question comes from Steve at everything I learned from movies is burping really a sign of approval or is it just something gassy people say
0: it's something gassy people say
1: I would say that as well. So mm-hmm. I, I've never found that to be now remotely you know, complimentary of a meal or anything else. It's, I don't, I don't have a problem with burping, to be honest. I really don't. I don't care. I had a, um, a gastric, uh, lap band for a couple of years that I don't have anymore. And I couldn't, I was physically incapable of burping when I had that. And it was horrifying to not be able to. So I'm not really opposed to it, but I don't think it's a compliment either. (laughs) And I think it's, it's, it's got, there's a time and a place, you know what I mean? So (laughs) Yeah, I think that's just something people say when they want to be jerks. It's
0: not on crazy. a podcast, BT Dubs, for all of you podcasters out there, because I have heard it.
1: I have heard it, too. Edit that shit. You're going to edit all this other stuff? Edit that. I don't want to hear it.
0: Yep. I don't know. Ugh,
1: get your shit together. All right. Uh, next question. Randy from Cult 45 has sent this one over, and I think this is a really good one. What is your take on asking women out at a bookstore? creepy or classy
0: um there is a fine line on how to be classy when asking i think first of all classy because that's one of the better places to ask somebody out however Mm. creepy if you talk about dinner this is not let's go have dinner what this is is would you like to go to the bookstore cafe cafeteria and have a coffee with me and we can talk and if they say no you're done.
1: Walk away. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think regardless of the venue in which you approach someone, you really have to feel out the signs and, you know, if I am if I am a woman in a bookstore and I am there looking for something specific or I am just losing myself in said bookstore, like I am want to do, I don't necessarily want some creeper following me up and down the aisles trying to talk to me or making weird small talk. Now, if we have somehow made a connection through a book or we've just happened to smile at each other, that's when you can maybe try to strike strike up a conversation and see if that person is interested in even talking. But like Heather said, if they don't seem to or they flat out say no, walk away. It doesn't matter where you are. I do think that you will probably find a a higher quality uh, potential partner in a bookstore as opposed to a crack house or um, the hospital. Like, I don't know. I mean, wherever people meet, I don't know where people meet. Definitely better
0: than a family reunion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you'd all be related. Uh, You don't have to break in new in-laws. But no, yeah, so I think that, uh, again, be a gentleman, learn how to read the signs and signals on whether somebody is interested in being approached or not. And then, like Heather said, hey, you want to have a coffee over here or tell me about this book? Did you like it? You know, find find a middle ground. And I'll say one of our listeners saw this one and actually chimed in as well. And this was Jessica. And Jessica has been she's in our D&D group. Um, she's also been on a couple of our previous episodes, her opinion, she says, I'm more open to it in a bookstore or a library than I would ever be in a bar. She said, if I'm at the bookstore, at least I know we'll have stuff to talk about. So
0: very good point. I like to talk about beer though. So bars work for me generally. (laughs) Well,
1: It just, it depends on what you're into and what you're going for.
0: Uh,
1: Okay. So next question uh, this one actually comes from Operaman because uh, why not? Yeah, he said. Uh, what are suggestions to help introduce non-geek friends and family to your hobbies, whether it's gaming, cosplay, etc., uh, or how do you introduce it to a significant other?
0: I don't know if there's an answer to this because generally, if people aren't in- interested in something, they don't want to hear about it. So. I think the way to resolve it is the way that me and Liz kind of resolved it is that we encourage them to start that you swap interests. Mm -hmm. So like we did, uh, our first one ever was Battlestar Galactica and Doctor Who, right? Yep. So I watched all of Battlestar Galactica. She watched all of Doctor Who. Now we're fans of both. You see how it works? So
1: yeah. And I think, I think that's very true. And I think especially when you're talking about, a significant other or maybe a potential significant other because when he and I were first dating and first getting together, he was very big into D and had had a base level experience with it like 25 years earlier. It really wasn't my thing. However, I loved him. I wanted to spend time with him doing something that he enjoyed. So I, I tried it. I gave it a shot. Um, and i played it and i didn't know what i was doing we are now playing in a full campaign for this podcast along with some of our other podcasting friends and it's fun we have a great time doing it i never would have thought that we would have gotten to this point had he and i not shared that interest now like i said with harry potter my sister was incredibly resistant to this for years and years And it took me getting her daughter interested to get her to open up to it. She's now read the first two books, has seen the first movie, is ready to see the next one, and is getting more interested. So I think for people who are resistant, you have to kind of find a way to slowly introduce them. And usually it's by finding a common thread or theme of something they're already interested in. And I think that just works with anything. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to push it down somebody's throat and you don't want to beat them over the head with it. And you certainly don't want to make them feel like they are dumb or less than or whatever, because they don't like what you like. Another really good thing to do, like Heather said, is to step into something that they enjoy saying, "Okay, I'd really like for you to try this. So I'm willing to give this a try. Uh, you know, so we can both open up our avenues because once you become open to compromise like that, I think you really do a lot to foster that fandom in other people. But also be willing to accept that they just may not like it, and that's okay because there's going to be stuff that they like that you think is total crap. So, yeah. yep, that would be my suggestion there. I agree. Uh, so, thank you, Operman, for those. And then uh, three questions <laughs> came in from the History of Bad Ideas podcast, and they've promoted our show lately a couple of times, which I think is pretty cool. So, hey, cool. guys. Uh, so, for first question, why do people suck?
0: Um, I, I think that, uh, I don't think there's an answer to that. I think it's just something that is.
1: I'm going to go with free will.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: People have free will and therefore they can say and do whatever dumbass thing that they like. So we're not always going to like that. But because they have the free will, we also have the free will to say, you know what? Meh. Not interested in associating with you and your suckage. Yep. So I'm going to go with free will. Okay. Second question Can't we all just love superhero movies without taking others down?
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, we can. Yes, we can.
1: Anybody who feels the need to just shit on a superhero movie because it's a superhero movie needs to get their head out of their ass. Because chances are whatever movie they like the most
0: is just as stupid. That's a very good point. Uh,
1: And then the last question is an etiquette question. First one really here. Uh, Weddings
0: tie or no tie? If it's during the day you can get away with no tie. Uh at night in general you have to wear a tie. But they'll tell you specifically on the invitation if if it needs yeah, to have a tie. Yeah. They'll,
1: they'll tell you if it's, you know, if they say black tie required, that's a formal party, wear a tie. Uh if it's a Hawaiian theme, you don't have to wear a tie, wear yeah. A lei.
0: Yeah. But again during the day I think that you can get away with no tie. Um a jacket and a dress shirt without a tie um I feel feel are perfectly acceptable during the day and at night let me just no go ahead uh and at night if you do i mean nobody will kick you out for not wearing a tie but i like dark shirts without a tie if you're going to buttoned up all the way
1: yeah just try to look presentable what i will say is don't wear your crappiest blue jeans to somebody's wedding whether it's black tie or not because it's
0: yeah i had somebody
1: show up at my first wedding a whole family show up at my first wedding in like that like not not even like a dark jean or like a dress jean uh-huh. you know they have they make blue jeans that are very nice and could work in that situation you could work it no these were like everyday light washed blue jeans with the fray on the bottom and like a crappy kind of top and i'm like uh okay these weren't people who couldn't like afford to get dressed up they just didn't And like that to me shows a level of kind of disrespect. Like, yeah, they're coming for the food. I'm spending a shitload of money to pay for you to come to dinner to celebrate my wedding. You could at least put on a pair of slacks. I agree. That's all I'm saying. You don't have to wear a tux. You don't have to buy a suit. I don't care. But maybe just don't show up looking like you just rolled in from playing paintball. And we won't have a problem because, you know, there's a level of, understanding that you know if you're going to a wedding it's usually anywhere from 20 to a hundred dollars ahead for the bride and groom to pay for you to have dinner with them step it up
0: yeah I agree
1: but i'm not I'm, I'm not married to the tie i don't care I think yeah ties are stupid in general yeah but. ties
0: are kind of dumb in general i but normally at night is when they say you should wear a tie but i think you can get away with it as it, you can get away without a tie as long as you're wearing a jacket yeah wear if a you jacket. If, if you're don't if you're a man if you're a woman you don't have to wear a jacket either
1: yeah don't wear a polo shirt no that's for the
0: golf course not the way yeah polo shirts don't look good under jackets anyway
1: Anyway, so that is all the questions that we got this Perfect. week for Ask a Nerdy Bitch.
0: Thank you for participating so, in the segment. Uh, we might, maybe we'll limit it to like three. We'll just yeah. divide them out in the future. We'll do I don't know. Future, Let us know. I mean, if you want us, we can do a whole episode on it. I don't care. It's up yeah, to
1: you. We can do all sorts of stuff or we can spatter them in.
0: Yeah, we're um, here for you, dear listeners.
1: <laughs> we are. And again, we're rolling towards that 100th episode. So definitely... Let us know if you have any particular topics you'd like to hear us cover, Um, any fandoms that maybe you think that we have missed out on somehow. We are always open to finding new things to become obsessed with or to bitch about. Yes. Either way.
0: And I would like to hear everybody's favorite headcanon for Chamber of Secrets. Mm -hmm. Like, for example... This Well, this is probably not headcanon. It might have been written this way. That the reason why spiders hate basilisks is because they have eight eyes and they can see 360 degrees and they can't avoid the basilisk.
1: Ooh, I like it.
0: Yeah. So there you go. I like that a lot.
1: I never thought about that.
0: Anyway, Mm. so send us your headcanons, I'm sure. And then any... uh, Also, if you have any naughty fanfiction uh, hookups, uh, Gilderoy Lockhart... And Moaning Myrtle, go. <laughs> She's over fifty, best by one, the way. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the best one gets a nerdy bitch's tote bag. Seriously, if you have fan fiction, write it, send it. I don't we'll know. Send you a
0: gift? I don't know if I can read it. I'm not reading it uh, aloud. It'll, I'll no, but, I'll, read it. I'll blush so much will, you'll be able to see. I will see.
1: call Mandy and I will get Mandy from Cast request to come on over, and we will read it, and you will blush.
0: Okay, That's what'll happen? All right, sounds good. <laughs>
1: So, all right, we'll see you guys next time.
0: All right, see ya. Do you want a chance to support the show? Want to get some awesome
1: rewards and Nerdy Bitches swag?
0: Then head on over to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash nerdybitches.
1: From Not Your Basic
0: Bitch to Rockstar Bitch, we have
1: a monthly donation plan to fit any budget. Your support allows us to really up our game and make sure the show stays awesome without bowing to corporate sponsorship.
0: In addition to providing prizes, giveaways, and convention coverage, we'll also donate 20% of all net profits each month directly to other independent podcasts. This allows us to help grow other indie shows that we believe in.
1: So hit us up at patreon.com nerdybitches and support your favorite bitches today.
0: Music provided by www.bensound.com. And please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com.
1: My niece is 10 and she's becoming an asshole.